Welcome to Cornerstone. We, we're excited and glad you're here this morning. And, and if you don't have a church home, we want you to know that you are welcome here. And, and we want you to know that uh, this is a place that, that many of us consider family. Uh, we're excited to serve God and pursue His kingdom together. Uh, we're, we're excited to, to go through the joys and the struggles of life together. Ultimately, we want to serve in this Johnston community. And our mission statement is simply to lead people everywhere to a devoted relationship with Jesus. That, that's what we're about as a church, uh, and we're excited here this morning to celebrate what that's all about, and Easter. So we're glad you're here this morning, and, and we want to tell you a little bit about what's going on. We've been going through the Gospel of John. We are in our fourth week in the Gospel of John, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, and we're going to go through starting in verse 43 today. It's our fourth week, and we're still not through chapter 1, so this, this may take a little time. But John chapter 1, uh, starting in verse, verse 43, let me read it to you. It says, The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from, come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe, and I will, <laughs> you believe because I, saw, I, I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you specifically this morning. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his, his life, his death, and ultimately his resurrection and his power over sin, his power over death, and his power over hell. God, we celebrate that this morning. We pray that you would you would change our hearts, that you would transform our lives with this message of Easter. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. It begins in verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding Philip. He said to him, follow me. Here is the story of Easter. Here is the story of God, what God wants us to hear. The story of Easter, you see, is God coming down, and God reaching out to you and I. Reaching out to us and providing a way for us to be made whole, a way for us to be made right, a way for us to spend an eternity with Him. The story of Easter is a God who loves you and I so much that He did the most incredible thing in the world for us. The Bible speaks and tells us how we have all fallen short how we have all failed in our life, how we all have sinned, and we've all wronged God. The Bible speaks of this, and it clearly lays it out. And if we look at our own hearts and we examine our own lives, we understand that to be true. We understand we have failed. We understand we have fallen short of what God requires of us. And the story of Easter is God, yet knowing our faults, knowing our failures, still He reaches out to us. And what does He do? To the Old Testament, the law is given, and it's this, this way in which we should live our lives, right? The law has kind of set the bar. 
This is how you must live. But no one can measure up. No one can fulfill and live out that law. And so God required sacrifices to be made, sacrifices to be paid for our sin, for our shame, for our wrongdoings. But he also created this great way. That's the story of Easter. God reaching down and God providing a way that I may have new life, that I may may be made whole and new through his son, Jesus. And the story of Easter, as we talked about a few weeks ago, the incarnation, that God becomes a man, that God gives us his only son, this perfect man who would ultimately be the perfect sacrifice. And the story of Easter is Jesus coming to earth, the perfect man who knew no sin, who knew no wrong, going to the cross. And we talk about Good Friday, and we celebrate Good Friday, and we we remember Jesus who was spit on, who was mocked, who, who was shamed, who ultimately had a cross thrown on his back, and he marches up to Golgotha on a hill where he's murdered. And so because of all these things I've done wrong, my, my, my sin and my wrongdoing in my life, Jesus had to go and die on the cross. Jesus had to give his life for me. He had to give his life for me to be made new, for me to be made whole. But the story of Easter doesn't end there, does it? The story of Easter on that Sunday morning as we celebrate, the story of Easter is Jesus conquering sin and death and hell. So I may may have new life. So I may be made whole. This is the wonderful story of Easter. God reaching down to me through his son Jesus. That if I may know him, the Bible tells us we could be born again. We could be made new. I may have a new life in him. I may have a place prepared for me in heaven. This is the story of Easter. That God loved me so much, he reached out to me, he gave me his son, and he pursued me so much that his son Jesus went to the cross. He was that ultimate sacrifice that had to be paid. This is what God has done for me. This is the story of Easter. That Jesus, fully God, fully man, lives a perfect life, goes to the cross, is murdered, is beaten, is spit on, is shamed. A couple days later, he raises from the dead, conquering death, sin, and hell. For me, for you. Here's what he says. He says says to Philip, follow me. This is the calling Jesus had for Philip, and it's also the calling Jesus has for you. I don't know where you are in your life. I don't don't know uh, the kind of sin or the, the kind of life that you're living or the kind of pain or hurt that you have in your life, but know this. God has loved you, and God loves you so much, he has given his son. And Jesus is pursuing you. And Jesus, like he called Philip to follow him, is calling you to do the same. And Jesus is calling out, follow me. Just like he comes to Philip and he says, follow me. He wants our whole life. He wants our heart, our mind, our soul, our passion, our excitement. And he wants to change it and transform it into his will. And so like he called Philip, he's calling you to follow him. 
The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Follow me. Here's a verse in 1 Corinthians. Maybe. It says this, Where, O death, is your, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Sin and death has no power. Jesus has conquered. And the story of, e of Easter is Jesus conquering death, sin, and hell for you and I. Charles Spurgeon said, Upon a life I did not live, upon a death I did not die, I risked my whole eternity on the resurrection. Upon a life I did not live, upon a death I did not die, I risked my whole eternity on the resurrection. This new life, this being born again, being a new creation in Christ, is through Jesus' life, through Jesus' death. That's what I risk my eternity on. That's where I place my hope and my trust on what Jesus has done. He is risen. He's risen indeed. Thanks. Okay. Verse 44. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth the son of Joseph. I love this. I love this. Jesus calls out to Philip. What does he say? Follow me. Philip makes the decision, okay, going to follow Jesus. And what is his first response? What is the first thing Philip does? Philip goes and he tells his friend Nathaniel. This is what happens when we are changed by the gospel, when we are changed by the power of what God has done through us in giving us his son and the power of the cross. When we experience that, in our own lives, when God has transformed our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength, our response should be, and we can't help but tell others. And Philip's first response is to go tell his friend Nathaniel. If you read the story of the tax collector Matthew, another disciple, in Luke chapter 5, he encounters Jesus. Jesus says, follow me, and Matthew surrenders all. Matthew drops everything to follow Jesus. And Matthew's first response is he goes throws a party. He goes and invites all his friends to come and meet Jesus. See, when we are transformed by the gospel, when we are transformed by the power of the cross, when, when God has come in and he has changed our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, and we're made anew, we can't help but tell other people about it. We can't tell, help but tell other people about the power of the cross and what God has done for us and his son Jesus. And so Philip comes and he tells his friend, Nathaniel, I found him. I found the one Moses talked about in the law and whom the other, and also the prophets have talked about. Right? Now, now here's the deal. Philip and Nathaniel, they were Jews. They understood the Old Testament. It's thought many times by probably about the age eight, children would have the Torah memorized. The Torah was the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It was the law of God, the law that, that God had given through Moses. And so by the age of eight, they would have this memorized. By the age of 10, they might have the old, whole Old Testament memorized. So guys like Philip and Nathaniel, they knew what the Bible said. They were earnestly seeking God. 
They were earnestly seeking the Messiah because the Old Testament talked about this Savior that must come. So when Philip comes and tells his friend Nathaniel, what does he say? I found him. I found the one whom Moses talked about in the law and whom the prophets also wrote about. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Here's Nathaniel's response. He says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Now, a couple things to note about this. Nazareth was, you know, was one of those, you know, you find those spots in Iowa that are kind of like a hick town a little bit. You know, it's just a little backwards. Probably like Orange City, right, Ken? You know, you know pe- <laughs> I mean, people are a little, you know, off the rocker a little bit that come from these type of towns, okay? Nazareth was, was this type of place, okay? Nazareth was, you know, kind of the back, you know, just not quite right. And also, knew, know that Nathaniel knew the scriptures, and he knew that the Savior would come from Bethlehem. And so in his mind, he's thinking, Nazareth, you know, what, what good can come from Nazareth, all right? So here's, here's what Philip says, come and see, right? Philip is, is inviting him to come and encounter Jesus, to come and meet Jesus. Our response should be the same, that we are telling people to come and see, come and meet this Jesus. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. What a statement to be made about an individual. Jesus come, he encounters Nathanael, well, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. Now, I don't know a whole lot about Nathanael, but it's evident here that this was a guy who, one, he knew the scriptures. He was pursuing God. He was studying God's law. And I can only imagine he was an individual that wanted to know, wanted to have a relationship with the living God. He pursued him. He studied. He was praying. This was a guy who was pursuing the living God. His life was reflective of that. And imagine Jesus saying to you, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. Here is a guy who is pursuing me. Here is a guy who loves the Lord with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength. What a statement to be made about somebody. Jesus approached Nathanael. Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. What do we see about Jesus here? We see that Jesus, fully God, is all-knowing. He's omniscient. He knows all. And and we're going to see Nathanael's response to him knowing Jesus being God. I saw you while you were under the fig tree. Now, I, I don't know what was taking place under the fig tree, but apparently this was probably a place Nathanael went. He was probably studying the Word of God. He was probably asking God that he may reveal himself. Nathanael was in the wilderness. He was there to learn from John the Baptist. John the Baptist was teaching about this coming Messiah, right? So Nathanael is there. He's, he's approaching. He's wanting to know more about who this is. And so Nathanael's an individual who is earnestly seeking God. All his heart, his mind, his soul, and his strength. He's earnestly seeking him. I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Listen to Nathanael's response. Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. What a statement from Nathanael. You are the son 
of God. Nathaniel gets it. Nathaniel knew the Old Testament all pointed to Jesus. He knew that the Savior, this Messiah that was to come, was to be the Son of God. Not an ordinary man, not a good man, not a good teacher, but the very Son of God. See, what we can't do when we read the story, when we read the Bible, when we hear the story of Jesus, we can't declare, you know what, he had good teaching. He was a good man. He said some good things. He lived a life, maybe a great example of how we should live. We can't do that. See, the Bible, Nathaniel here making the claim, and Jesus making the claim himself that he's the Son of God. So either Jesus is insane, a little off the rocker from Orange City, or... Jesus is the Son of God. Here's your choice. If He is the Son of God, Easter has some pretty significant meaning, doesn't it? Easter is God's Son going to the cross. Easter is God's Son raising from the dead. Easter is God's Son calling out to me to follow Him. Calling out to me to be made new. To be born again. To have a new life. In him. That's our choice. Nathaniel knows it. Nathaniel knows this guy is the son of God, the king of Israel. And we, all of us, must ask ourselves the same question Is this Jesus? Is this Jesus more than just some good man? Because if this guy, if Jesus is the son of God, it should transform my entire life. If Jesus is the son of God, my response should be that of Charles Spurgeon. My life, my life, my whole risk, everything is in the resurrection. Everything I believe, everything I stand for, my entire life is founded on this, this idea of, of Easter and what God has done. If he is the Son of God, it should transform my life. I should love him with all my heart, my mind, my soul, and my strength. Surely, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. Jesus responds to him, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and the angels of a God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He is going to see greater things. Things. There is a story in Genesis. And remember, these guys, these guys understood the Word of God. All right? These guys knew the Old Testament Scriptures. They had studied Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all what the prophets had written. They knew the Word of God. They had studied it. They probably memorized it. So when Jesus comes and he makes this statement about you shall see heaven open, and angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man, he's referring back to Genesis 28 and referring to Jacob's dream. Here's what he says. When he reached a certain place, this is this, uh, in Genesis 28, Jacob's dream. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood 
the Lord. This dream that Jacob had so many years ago was a dream of God reaching down to man, providing a way for man to reach him. That we, sinners, lost, separated from God, may have a way to heaven, may have a place prepared for us and through what God has done. God reaching down to man. There's another story in in Genesis, Genesis chapter 11, the story of the Tower of Babel. And the story of the Tower of Babel is a story of people beginning to think pretty high of themselves. People beginning to think that they could accomplish about anything. And in this, they begin to, to build this tower, this large structure, and they say, we want to reach the heavens. We want to reach all the way to heaven. Because in their mind, now we can do something to reach heaven. And you see the contrast. Here, God separates them. He sends them all their way. They were a people that tried to reach heaven by their own doing. And we still know people, and we still ourselves can be that same way. We think that in our minds, and our hearts, you know what, if I do some good things, if I accomplish some, some good things, I can reach heaven. I can reach heaven. If I do this or that, or I live a good life, I can reach heaven. But what the story of the Tower of Babel tells us, and what the story in Genesis chapter 28 tells us, it's not about us reaching heaven. It's about God reaching down from heaven and pursuing us. This is the story of Easter. That heaven is open, and God has reached down to pursue us. And you see here, in John chapter 1 at the end, what does Jesus say? You shall see heaven open and angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And you go back to this story in Genesis chapter 28, and what Jesus is saying, you know that ladder? You know that stairway, that dream that Jacob had so many years ago when heaven was open and there was a ladder and a stairway to heaven? That's me. I am that stairway. I am that ladder. I am that way to heaven. That is me. And you shall see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. See, it's nothing that we can do. It's nothing good of my own. It's no no works that I can do. It's not being a good person. But it's God reaching down to me through the story of Easter. God giving His Son a perfect Son, a perfect man who knew no sin, who died and rose again. Heaven open, and Jesus, that ladder, that way. John 14, 6 tells us this. It says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. No one comes to the Father but by me. If you want to know how to be made right with God, if you want to know how you can have a place prepared for you in heaven, how you can spend an eternity in heaven, the answer is simple. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. The story of Easter is God reaching down to us. God giving us His Son and asking us, follow me. Follow me. Leave you with a verse in 1 Timothy. It says this, Who wants all men to be saved? God has loved us so much. That's what John 3.16 says, right? God has loved us so much, 
He gave us His Son. He has died for the entire world. God loves every single one of us. And He loves us so much, He gave us our Son, Jesus. His Son, Jesus. He wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Remember that verse we just read? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He wants all men to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, that man. Christ Jesus. One mediator, one stairway, one ladder. That is Jesus. One way to the Father. If you are here this morning and you don't know this Jesus, you don't know that you can have new life, you don't know that you can be born again, you don't know you can spend an eternity in heaven, know this. Jesus went to the cross. He died on the cross. And two days later, He raised from the dead. What a story. The God of the universe, loving us so much, He gave us His Son, who gave Himself as a ransom for all men. Jesus gave Himself as a ransom for all men. We're going to transition into a time of communion, a time where we remember this great thing that He has done. And it's great we can get together on Easter and we can remember how Jesus died how Jesus was spit on, how he was mocked, and how ultimately he died on the cross, but on the third day, rose again. It's awesome we can get together and remember that. And, and the point of the bread and the juice is to remember his body that was broken and his blood that was shed for us. So we invite you that if you know Jesus, if you understand this verse that he, Jesus himself, has a ransom for me, that I have a new life, I've been born again, through what God has done through His Son, Jesus. Come up, remember Jesus in the bread and the juice. If you don't know this Jesus, if you don't know that God has given His Son as a ransom for you, man, we, we invite you this morning that you can know that. Romans tells us that today is the day of salvation. That we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth, we shall be saved. You can be made new. You can be born again. You can have new life in Jesus. This is what God offers us. This Jesus, this only way to the Father. This Jesus, this stairway, this ladder, this mediator between God and man. So if you don't know this Jesus, know that this is what Easter is about. God reaching down to us that I may know Him, that I may have a relationship with the living God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for Jesus, who was a ransom, who was a ransom for many, who was a ransom for me. My sin, my wrongdoing, I, I should have been there. I should have died. I should die an eternal death for, for my, my grievance against God. But you have given us this great gift. You have done this great thing. You have given us a ransom in your son, Jesus. And today we, we remember and we celebrate who He is and what He's done. And we are challenged that He, like He called Philip and like He called Nathaniel, He is calling us to follow Him. And for us that, that know Him this morning, God, help us message of Easter. God, God, be not something just once a year we think about, but may it control our entire lives. May, may it be our entire being and what our entire lives are about. For us that, that maybe have not responded to this call of Jesus, 
haven't responded to him crying out for us to follow him, God, may we respond to that. May it be even this morning that we respond to it. That as Jesus has called us to follow him and believe upon him, that he is that ransom for many. May this morning, may this morning, we be able to say we are children of God. Because we have put our trust and our hope in the living God, in the living Jesus. Thank you that Jesus is alive. Thank you that I have been made alive in Jesus. Thank you for his death and his resurrection, conquering death, sin, and hell for me and being that ransom. Jesus, we thank you this morning for what you have done, that we are made new, we are born again, we have new life in you, a life of hope, a life of peace, a life of understanding what this life and eternity is all about. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.